0: Hello and welcome to Outspoken Voices, a podcast by and for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer parents, people with LGBT parents, and everyone else who's part of our family journey. I'm your host, Shelby Day, and I'm Senior Policy Counsel for Family Equality Council. Today we're talking about Every Child Deserves a Family Act. This is part one of a two-part series. And we're discussing Every Child Deserves a Family Act with some wonderful foster parents who created their families via foster care. And we're going to be listening to their stories and understanding the work that Family Equality Council is doing around uh, the, these very important issues. Just to begin, Every Child Deserves a Family Act is a federal bill that prohibits child welfare agencies uh, that receive federal funding from employing discriminatory practices and adoption and foster care placements based on sexual orientation, gender identity, or marital status of potential parents, as well as the sexual orientation or gender identity of foster youth. This bill was first introduced in 2009, and Family Equality Council has led the effort in partnership with PFLAG National since that time. The bill was recently reintroduced in Congress, and today we're highlighting the importance of Every Child Deserves a Family Act and the wonderful families within the LGBT communities that are created via foster care. We have three guests today: Dr. Philip McAdoo, and Erin and Rich. Hooks Wayman, and I will let uh, each of them introduce themselves and their family to you briefly before we go on to some other some other questions about their journey through the foster care system. So we'll start with you, Philip.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I am Philip McAdoo, and my partner is Joseph Kavanaugh. We live in D.C. now, but when we adopted our son Zayden, we were in Atlanta and we were very fortunate to be able to work with John Lewis on the proposal for Every Child deserves a family act. Uh it was so rewarding not only to see my son at the time he was 8 walking around the capitol with, you know, uh John Lewis holding his hand and no idea who he was, but also to hear him talk about his story you know at the age of 8 you know he was very verbal and saying you know every child deserves a family and we just thought about the struggle it took us 2 years to be masked with a kid and here i am an educator my partner's a doctor we thought yeah this is going to be easy and month after month after year nothing and we didn't know if it was Georgia if it was the dating until finally we got an email with the subject line that said do you want this child <laughs> and we were like yes and my partner was away, we knew absolutely nothing about him except that we wanted him. Uh, and from there, it was, you know, pretty much. Um, I wouldn't say it was easy because, you know, you, you, even though we take those classes, they don't really prepare you to be parents. And so what was interesting is that, you know, as we went through this process and we got to know our son, who was six at the time, and we worked with the people um, through our agency, it became apparent that, you know this was going to be, may potentially be an issue in terms of, they asked a lot about our beliefs, our values, in terms of religion. You know, they said they has been used to going to church. And we were like, well, you know, I'm from the South, born and raised, and the church wasn't very nice to me as a gay kid, but I, I am spiritual. Uh, and so there were lots of little microaggressions just around religion and identity um, that we thought we were going to have to really buckle down and fight for But we had a really great agency that were really strong allies and advocates for us, not only for us, but for Zaden And so it, it made it uh, almost seem uh, a seamless effort. But I will tell you what was interesting is that we were preparing to go to Pride Week, <laughs> and the, uh, the foster care system in Texas had a fit. They said, you know, we heard about Provincetown, we know it goes there, kids should not go there. We were like, what? <laughs> this is uh, pride, this is a family event, it's going to be a great way for him to bond with other kids who have same-sex parents. And so we really had to fight for to take him on that vacation, because there was this perception that we were just going to uh, be hanging out in this gay night club, I guess, and, and exposing our kids to that type of lifestyle. Um, But I will tell you the the thing that they don't prepare you for, you know, as someone who's a new father is just like how overwhelming it is emotionally for me to think, you know, we were sitting in our hotel and all of a sudden they call and say, your kids come and you're like, whoa. And he's like, shows up and he's like, hey, let's eat. And you're like, wow. And, you know, you go to Walmart, you get toys and all of a sudden he's there and he's yours. Uh, so we've we've had this wonderful journey, and what's been great is that straight, uh, gay, LGBT, lots of parents have come up to us, and the more we get to know parents, the more that we know, you know, our, our kid is healthy and whole, because we're worried, like, oh my gosh, is he going to have this stigma of foster care? And the more we're around kids who have same sex, or, or kids who just have natural parents through birth, or that they've been with for a long time, we're like, whoa, this is just being a child. These just... He's just seven now, he's just a stinky 12 year old. Um, so we're, we're, we're really starting to settle into being parents, into sharing our story, into now, okay, how are we showing up for him? What is it that he needs? And really, um, looking forward to these unsought teenage years of his growth.
0: Wonderful. Well, thanks for, for sharing that. Um, it sounds like you have a, a beautiful family. Um, Aaron and Rich, um, I'll turn it over to you and let you briefly introduce yourself and talk a little bit about your um, journey through uh, the foster care system and the beautiful family that you've created.
2: Great. Uh, My name is Rich, and uh, I'll just start off and let Aaron come in at the end uh, with his his points of view, but we're uh, foster adoptive parents. Uh, We have a large family. We actually started out as foster parents for uh, teenage girls. And we have now three older daughters that we foster cared for but never adopted because they were older adolescents. Uh, so uh, we have three daughters in their early 30s uh, that are uh, doing great things with their lives and have moved on. Uh, and then we moved, actually, to the Washington, D.C. area and then started the process to be foster parents and adoptive parents to some younger children. We were blessed to be, uh, have the opportunity to raise two twins a boy and a girl. We got them when they were two and a half years old. And when they were four, we were able to adopt them uh, through the local uh, child welfare system in Prince George's County, Maryland. And then because of career opportunities, we moved back to the Midwest where I was originally from, Minnesota. And we eventually were able to adopt another sibling set from Minnesota. So we have an an additional four children that we adopted from Minnesota, um, uh, three boys and one girl. And so we now in our home have six children uh, that we have fostered and ad- eventually adopted, and they range in age from two years old to 11 years old, and uh, and we couldn't be happier. But we're also a little crazy. Is that right, Erin?
3: Uh, that's more than an understatement. But yes, you are correct. We are. Um, it is joy. It's bittersweet at times, but um, in our experience uh, with these kids and and with frankly all of our adoption um, processes has gone relatively smooth and um I, I would say the one thing i would want to um say and um just let everyone recognize is that um it's uh, there are horrible cases we've heard them before but there can also be easy cases and i i think there's a lot of kids out there that need homes and um the happy path happens more than you think rich and i never could have expected to have, you know, six kids and, frankly, to have um, six kids um, so easily um, uh, through the foster care system. I I have friends uh, everywhere who, you know, are interested in adoption. I always encourage them to, you know, hook up with us with the state agency, hook up with um, their state agencies because there's lots of kids that need homes and uh, they're, they uh, they just want love at the end of the day. But um, uh, we've certainly been blessed and it's been a great ride so far. It's far from over as our youngest is two years old um, and we are in the terrifically terrible twos. He's he's textbook terrible too, um, but um, uh, all joy and coffee.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much. And for each of you, we'll start with Philip. Um, What advice would you have for LGBT individuals or couples who are wanting to foster or adopt through the foster care system? Um, Yeah, I, I would really
1: encourage them to find an agency that has been working with LGBTQ people. Uh, It was really great to walk into a situation where we knew there were other same-sex couples or queer folks who had gone through the process, so they knew how to be an ally. They knew how to advocate for us. And it was interesting because our greatest fear was the notion that we wouldn't be able to adopt him jointly as a couple, and this was before gay marriage was approved. And so we spent a lot of time worried about what that would look like and feel like. And the laws are really strange, and we really found out what the laws are in your county, because we ended up having an amazing attorney who knew how to play the system. She said, okay, I know this judge, and he probably won't want to um, give you both parental rights at the same time, and so I'll submit your proposal to this judge. And what seemed like was going to be a heartache was easy. She looked at our son, and she was like, do you love your dad? He was like, yes. And so she signed a piece of paper, and I was like, wait, we're supposed to fight, I'm supposed to adopt them first, and then my partner's supposed to adopt them after six months. So it really was, and I think it was Aaron that was speaking, it was really easy. It was such an easy process. Once they identified and matched us with our child, it was really uh, easy, a little frustrating at times. Um, but it wasn't as hard, and we're actually looking to to do it again. So it's very encouraging to hear my friends say they have six kids and they're still going strong.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. And Erin uh, and and Rich, um, is there anything that you would add to that about advice that you'd have for other LGBT couples uh, or individuals who are wanting to foster or adopt?
3: yeah um i would uh, i would certainly this is Erin, by the way um i would certainly um echo that it's you know uh, that it's not as scary as you think and that there are more advocates out there than you think um so and we were we were very fortunate um when we were in Prince George's county as well as um hennepin county in Min- minnesota um uh it was a part of the foster training curriculum that uh about uh, having a gay kid um and we were fortunate enough to see that there were other um gay families um in our meetings in the uh in the trainings um and just having a social worker that was a great advocate for us it was frustrating as well i will agree with you philip there certainly at times uh you kind of felt like you were kind of left out there waiting um but um it was certainly something that you should not give up on um that would be my uh, biggest encouragement for anyone is, um, you know, if you really want it, if you really want to have children, don't give up on it. Um, and I, I, I believe the tides have turned. It's probably, I shouldn't say this, I shouldn't say it's um, not as hard, but it's certainly easier. It's very commonplace, and depending on where you are, it's certainly possible. So uh, my only um, advice would be to to keep keep the fight alive for your family.
1: You know what I would say too, Erin. That what helped us is that we actually went to family week a couple of times before we had kids, (laughs) and so it was really interesting to be around our friends who had kids to kind of prep us for this process. Okay, okay, this is what this is going to feel like. So we did. We spent a lot of times, like two or three years, just going and spending time with our friends who had kids and talking to them about their experience. So I would really encourage people just to go and to see. What types of resources are available as well?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, this yeah, is Rich, and I would echo that too. I think I think it's really important to have a support network uh, to bounce ideas and questions off of. Obviously, parenting, uh, whether you're a foster parent or an adoptive parent, is a huge step. And, um, you know, it's not like having a, a pet goldfish or even a pet dog. Uh, right. You need to be able to be prepared for it, and you need to ask those kind of questions um, so you need to be aware of the risks, of course, that are involved in being a parent in the foster care system or in the adoption world. Obviously, one of the major, um, one of the major challenges with being a foster parent is sometimes foster parents get really emotionally attached uh, to children. And then the system says, well, we think it's in the best interest of the children to send them back to their biological family or back to a kinship care option, and uh, and you may not be able to um, have the opportunity to adopt that child it doesn 't mean that you didn 't play a vital role in that child 's life or that you didn 't influence that child or that you didn 't have an impact, but um, maybe there wasn 't a long term permanent connection that could be made because of the family situation and you have to protect a little angle of your heart when that happens right because you you have to let the child go back to their to their family and their culture and their community, and that 's what the system is designed to do to meet their needs in those ways and that 's a beautiful thing, but it can be obviously very emotionally. Uh, 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 hard on you when you 're going through that process to be able to give somebody up like that, um, both foster care and adoption are great because they 're both ne- needed for 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 children and for the family in the system but um, But I also would advise people to be really aware if they 're entering into the child welfare system to be aware of the history of the child and to be savvy about the questions. I think you know the goal of the system is to find placement for children. And uh, and you need to be bold enough to ask all the hard questions about, well, what is this child experiencing? What's their history? What level of abuse or neglect have they experienced? Uh, what's their family dynamic like? So that you know when you accept a child what you're fully getting. Some, frankly, sometimes the system doesn't always reveal all the information because they're trying to recruit you as a foster adoptive parent and they will sometimes not tell you the full story. And your job is to be bold and to be brave and to ask those really awful questions because you need to have the full story to allow you to be able to weigh what your gifts and limits are. Not everybody needs to adopt everybody, and you need to know what level you're willing to accept. Having said that, I would just add one more thing that as a as a child advocate and as a parent of, of you know children that have been through the system – I also think sometimes we let fear drive our decisions, and I think it's really important for you to realize that it's okay to stretch yourselves and to not let fear drive your decisions. There are so many children that need homes, and like Erin said, and I probably like Phillip's experience, um, many kids are just looking for points of stability, predictability, nurturance, and love, and that's what we can provide them as a safe and loving home. So I want people to consider themselves as potential parents for uh, all types of different children, whether that be an infant, a toddler, an older teenager who still needs a permanent home, or maybe even a child child with a disability, everybody needs a permanent home.
1: That, that's. I just want to jump in real quick because I think that's such a good point. Because I started this process saying I absolutely could not. My heart would just be ripped out if I got attached to a child, and they were suddenly you know, placed back with their families. So we, our initial approach was that we're only going to be with the kids whose parental rights have been terminated. Uh, and so now, just uh, we just had this conversation a couple of nights ago, my partner was like, we really should just foster. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't. I'll just fall apart. But listening to Aaron and Rich, okay, you, there's another shift happening in me, uh, because I do, I it was fear, right? It was, it was me being selfish, like, oh, you know, I, I couldn't bear a child, you know, being taken away, but I'm really moved by what? Just in terms of not letting that fear uh, keep you from making yourself available.
3: That's I think that's absolutely right. And I'm just every, everything. I wanted to jump in and say, Rich has already said. Of course, I love you. Um, but uh, the the I think the scariest part about it, becoming a parent is like when you have that baby in your hands and you're like, well, what do I do now? Um, everything that leads up to it is just you know, it's a it's it's par for the course, it's part of the journey. Um, but yeah, I, I would certainly echo everyone's sentiments that um it it's not as scary or as tough as we think. I think the laws um the laws that govern us um are better now than they were, I you don't know, twenty years ago. So we're certainly not in the same place and the in the the fear that your government Will prevent you. I guess that you know, possibly wherever you may be, that might be true. But for the most part, um, if you are um, adopting a child, the least of your worries is um, the the system. Uh, it's more than how to raise the child.
0: Great, thank you all for that. Um, I I want to turn a little bit, kind of touching on what what Aaron just said. Um, so I think it's, it's, you're absolutely right that we've come a long way. We actually, this last year was, uh, we saw the, um, last outright ban on foster adoption, um, in a state, uh, be overturned and that was in Nebraska and it was a long time, a law that had existed on the books for a long time and for many years wasn't enforced, but it, it, um, prohibited and then, uh limited um, LGBT people from being able to foster in the Nebraska system, and so we finally saw that law fall, but what we have seen um, in the last few years is a new wave of um, so-called religious liberty laws targeting the child welfare system that would allow um, providers um, to discriminate based on sexual orientation or gender identity um, of the prospective adoptive parents or the child in care. And so, of course, this is the kind of thing exactly that Every Child Deserves a Family Act uh, is designed to to fight. Um, And so I think for that reason, probably it's more important than ever that we pass uh, this very important piece of legislation. And so I would just open it up uh, to you all. Uh, realizing that it sounds like you um, were fortunate in your experiences um, in the foster care system and for the most part felt uh, supported and and didn't necessarily face any um, barriers yourself. I'm sure you've heard plenty of stories and and probably have opinions on this topic. So I would love to, to hear from, you know, any of the three of you or all of you uh, just about uh, why you think every child deserves a family act is an important piece of legislation, um, and why uh, anyone who cares about the child welfare system should be um, advocating for this bill.
1: Um, yeah, this is Philip. So, I'll jump in because, you know, shortly after they arrived, uh, I, I immediately quit my job and started working for a child service organization in Georgia. Uh, and I was an educational advocate for kids who are in care. And I think just simply by the name, right, every child deserves. And what's been so fascinating about watching Zayden thrive is that, you know, we we aren't special people. <laughs> we just made a choice, right? We just took a big leap. And all of a sudden, this kid is, like, traveling, and he's going on vacation, and he's thriving. And I'm like, every child deserves it. Mm-hmm. Zayden is not. You know, I looked at my boys who are in a group home and foster home, spending time with them, going to school with them, making sure they had what they need in order to set them up for success. You know, every child deserves that, and it would be just horrible and selfish for people to deny, just based on a religious belief or sexual orientation, a child's ability to thrive and live up to their potential. So I I think the best thing that we can do as LGBTQ families is just to continue to celebrate our children, celebrate each other, and let people hear our stories, Um, because that's the way that we're going to move, and that's the way people are, are going to move when they're like hanging out. You know, I would show up at Zayden's school, and the kids are like, oh, who is this black guy? I thought the white guy was your dad. And then Zayden says, oh, I have two dads, and he goes off to play. You know, they're going to be the ones, you know, unfortunately, you know, I remember when I was a little young kid hearing, you know, the children are the future and they are. And the more we start to hear, like, it's going to be amazing in like five, maybe 10 years to start to even to hear the stories that our children are going to tell who have same-sex parents, who are growing up in these wonderful LGBTQ families, and see how they thrive and see how they become advocates for other children. So uh, I'm excited because themes are shifting and changing, uh, and and I think people uh, will appeal to the heart uh, and the joy of a child. And, And I think you know, I get chills every time I hear it. every child deserves, because they do. They really do. And there's are some amazing mm-hmm. kids who are in care uh, who just thrive in the right environment.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much. Rich or Aaron, or is, is there anything...
2: Uh, I was just going to add, this is Rich, and of course, uh, the only thing I can add to that is uh, I find it completely deplorable and unethical to ever do anything in policy that denies a child a home. So we have, you know, half a million children in child welfare systems in placements right now in the United States, and of that, over a hundred thousand are waiting for an adoption of permanent home today. And so any policy that gets in the way of a child actually finding love and permanency, I think is just completely deplorable. Uh, we have a lot of work to be done in finding a child welfare system that meets the needs of children, and we certainly need to do all we can to recruit as many foster and adoptive parents as we can in the child welfare system. Uh, and, and I just believe that any time that you create barriers to that effort uh, is a tragedy for those children that may age out of the system without ever having a forever family in their corner. So uh, I agree with Philip that we need just to keep telling our story, celebrating celebrating what we offer and, uh, and providing the love and stability that we know many of our community members can provide to children. Um, one of my quick funny stories is that when um, I actually became a foster parent before I met Aaron, uh, before I got really lucky in life, as I say, uh, but when I, was a, when I was a single foster parent, I was recruited because there was, a, there was actually a youth who was transgender who they were not able to find a placement for, and they approached me to become licensed for that particular youth, And so I went through the process of getting licensed, but the process takes almost a year to get through the training and the home studies and all the things that you need to do. And so by the time I got licensed, uh, that particular youth who was transgender identified was placed in another uh, in another home, actually out of state uh, from where I was in Minnesota. And so I had this idea that I was then licensed and that I was I was was a gay foster dad and I was going to get other LGBT youth coming to my home. But just the opposite happened. Actually, I got all these referrals for straight uh, teenage girls because, frankly, they knew that I was going to be a safe person for them as a gay man. I wasn't going to do anything to them, and I was going to offer them a a loving home. Uh, And, in fact, the joke is that my first daughter came to me because... Uh, because she knew I was gay and because she also knew I had two dogs and she was a dog lover. <laughs> so I think how this all spins out gets really interesting uh, and we just need to be open to the whole uh, spectrum of opportunities in front of us and to do everything we can to keep recruiting and anything that gets in the way of that should be uh, should be challenged. So we are big believers in the Every Child Deserves a Family Act and I think it, we should do everything we can to try to pass it as quickly as possible.
0: Wonderful. And... Erin, uh, before we close, do you have anything to add?
3: Yeah, no, I would just, I mean, I agree with everything that's been said. i um, It's important for us to tell our stories. I can't tell you how many times I have met random people, probably from, uh, di- definitely from different walks of life, who have just been amazed and astonished by the fact that we have six children and that we're gay and and I I think I hope the novelty of being a gay parent wears off um and uh, we are recognized like every other um parent um biological or otherwise um that we um offer a safe a stable homes full of love for our children so I think it's important um especially for uh, the gay community, to um, to share our stories and share who we are because we are um, many people, like many cultures and races and et cetera uh, in this world, and we are not what you see on TV. We are not what you hear, and I, it's certainly awesome to see the level of um, commitment and love in the community as well as the level of um, parents um, or couples becoming parents um within the community, and so um having uh, a strength in numbers and sharing that story is very important, and it's a beautiful story and um it it um hopefully it just grows from here our our children our uh, our children don't care you know and and quite frankly, it's very matter of fact to any child um that we've ever confronted or or come across um about whoa my god, you have two dads or whatever um it really is just the fact that they want to know, okay, this guy has two dads. Well, someone lives with grandma or grandpa. So um, we'll, we should keep telling our story for certain.
0: Absolutely. You know, the important part in all of it is that, you know, we're providing kids with loving, stable uh, homes, whether they're temporary, as Rich was saying, earlier or forever, as you all have experienced. And so I would uh, agree the remarkable uh, thing, I think, about your story is that you have six kids, because that is really impressive. <laughs> Hats off to you as a parent. Um, but yes, I think we have to keep uh, sharing our stories and, and keep telling our stories to whoever will listen so that they understand uh, what our families look like, and that at the end of the day, we're, you know, families with the same um, you know, with all of the the same uh, things to offer as any other family outside of the LGBT community, and, and I would think, and then some. So thank you all for sharing your your wonderful stories. You have beautiful families, and we're so honored to uh, have you on the podcast and have your support, both of Every Child Deserves a Family Act and of Family Equality Council. We appreciate the work that you're doing both in your families and your communities and professionally. Um, and look forward to continuing to work with you in the future. And with that, we'll close. Until next time, remember that love, justice, family, and equality is what brings our families together.